Welcome to the Digication Scholars Conversation Series. I'm your host, Jessica Chittam. In this episode, you'll hear part one of my conversation with Pablo Avila from LaGuardia Community College. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of the Digication Scholars Conversation Series can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. Today, I'm talking with Pablo Avila, who is the Associate Director of ePortfolio and Digital Learning at LaGuardia Community College's Center for Teaching and Learning. I'm excited to be talking with Pablo today because of the incredible work he does with LaGuardia's ePortfolio program. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, let's just go ahead and get started um, with a little bit of background for anybody who's listening who is not familiar. Could you tell us a little bit about um, LaGuardia Community College's Center for Teaching and Learning and um, where you are the Associate Director? Sure. So the LaGuardia Community College is part of the City University of New York. It's a large uh, urban public university uh, with nine community colleges, and we're one of them. Uh, we were founded in early 1970s, and we serve approximately 18,000 students every academic year. Um, our students come from diverse backgrounds. LaGuardia is known for being very diverse. Um, students come from many different countries that speak over 100 different languages. Uh, and the nice thing about LaGuardia, if you ever go to the campus, if you haven't been there, is there's this huge hall of flags that represents the nations, the countries of all of the students and where they come from. So um, the campus is really, the students are really diverse. Um, the Center for Teaching and Learning was founded uh, prior to the time that I got there, I should say early uh, 2000s, pr probably 1999. Um, the center was founded with a Title V grant that was awarded to help faculty integrate technology in their pedagogy. And um, over time, the ePortfolio initiative grew to uh, allow faculty to look at portfolios, electronic portfolios, as a form of assessment. Uh, today, the Center for Teaching and Learning is the arm for professional development at the college. Uh, they provide professional development seminars for across different disciplines, all the way from first-year seminar to uh, capstone courses, um, writing intensive discipline courses. Um, so it really is a robust um entity for professional development. And over time, it also has grown to include uh, peer mentoring programs. Um, although the focus of the center initially was faculty support, over time that has amplified to include mentorship. So the student technology mentors with whom I work, uh, SDMs, we call them, they support faculty in the use of any kind of technology in the classroom. They also work with students on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Uh, they were the first peer mentor program that started at the center in approximately 2000, 2001, I should say. Um, and these are current students who work in classes helping both faculty and students. Uh, then if you fast forward to uh, 2014, uh, the SSM, Student Success Mentors, mm -hmm. started at the center as well. And they are mentors as the SDMs, uh, but they primarily work with first-year seminar students. So students who are coming to the college and they are taking this first-year seminar course and the mentor, the SSM, it's really the person who is helping the student navigate the college, get an introduction to the discipline. But at the same time, because the SSM, it's a student himself, herself, 
uh, they are able to share their experience. So um, that is another aspect of the work that they do. And then finally, the third uh, peer mentoring program, uh, the peer advisors, they uh, started in 2015, I believe. Um, and they also are current LaGuardia students, and they work with students from a different um, academic points, and they primarily help them with advisement. So how does the student navigate degree audit, or how does the student navigate the advisement overall process at LaGuardia? That's where the peer advisors come into play. So in sum, the center has grown uh, over time. Not only uh, we are a team of approximately 20 people, um, the interesting thing about the center is that almost all of us are actually LaGuardia graduates, uh, which is an interesting, uh, an interesting perspective to how we provide support to the larger community. Uh, we've been, the center has existed since early 2000 and not only provides support to faculty, but also uh, to students uh, through peer mentoring programs. Sounds wonderful. There's so much to talk about in there. Um, so I think I'll start with the end. Uh, you, you know, the CTL is um, populated by a lot of people who were formerly students. I, I'm interested in your story and your journey. How did you end up there? So it's a, it's a long and interesting story. I think uh, I started in 2007. I arrived at LaGuardia in 2007. Uh, I came from Peru and I didn't have any college experience. And uh, I came to LaGuardia in the spring of 2007 to major in liberal arts, social science and humanities. I remember back in those days, I used to think that I wanted to either become a psychologist or a teacher. Mm -hmm. I, I was debating between the two. And I arrived at LaGuardia not knowing anyone, not knowing anything about college in the U.S. Um, and somehow I was able to navigate, I would say, in a positive way. I took my classes uh, and I registered for classes. And I remember my advisor told me from the very beginning, she said, well, if you want to become a psychologist or a teacher, remember that if you want to become a psychologist, you need to have a Ph.D., and I was like, what is a PhD? And I didn't know that. But since then, I actually got on my mind that I needed to go to grad school. So since then, if I wanted to become a psychologist, I said, I need to go to grad school and get a master's or a PhD. And then I began to be interested in social psychology, particularly. So I said, maybe mm -hmm. that's an area that I want to get into. And then I remember her saying, well, in the end, if you don't get another job, remember, you can always go to college and teach which is something that I was particularly interested in. I, when, I, when I was in Peru, I used to teach English uh, to fifth graders. And I did that for like about a year or two, and I did it long enough to realize that I didn't like it. <laughs> so I said, I don't want to work with kids. If I ever go back to the classroom and teach, I think I want to teach college students. Mm -hmm. So long story short, I, uh, my experience at LaGuardia was, was, was optimal, was great. I transferred out of LaGuardia. I went to Hunter College. And right when I went to Hunter College in CUNY to get my bachelor's in general psychology, uh, that's when I was offered a job at LaGuardia at the center in 2000, uh, 2010. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when I uh, became part of the ePortfolio program and I was hired as an ePortfolio consultant. And it was a part-time job. And the interesting thing about it, and I, I, I think destiny put me in the right place because I, I just applied because I was looking for a job and the job was on campus. Uh, I knew a little bit about the portfolio because as a student, mm -hmm. I myself created a new portfolio when I was a student. 
Um, I knew what it was about. And when I heard that there was this uh, position available, I said, well, I mean, I, I can do it. So I applied and I got a part-time job in 2010. And actually, it was at around the time when the college was transitioning from using um, the old Ectron system to the education because we have been using the education since then. And I remember over the summer in 2010, I was part of the team that was piloting this new this new platform. And it suddenly put me working in a classroom, suddenly teaching students how to build their portfolio. I was able to share my experience with them. They were asking, what do you use this for? Or what's the point? How have you used it? Uh, I All the knew hard a little questions. bit of all the hard questions that I was able to answer because mm-hmm. I was a student myself. And uh, I told them that, you know, it was difficult at the beginning. I remember when I when I was taking my ENG 101 class, my professor, Liz Clark, uh, she still works at the college. She uh, said, okay, we're going to start with the about me. I'm like, okay, about me, that makes sense. But what am I going to write? And she started to, to tell us, well, you can write about your academic goals. You can write about what you would like to do in the future. You can write about the things that you have learned. And um, I remember that at the beginning, it wasn't easy. It, it wasn't easy to really write about myself. Mm-hmm. But over time, I almost sort of like went back to it and I started to think about, okay, this is what I wanted to do when I, went, when I started LaGuardia, but this is sort of like where I'm going now. Because further down the road, I ended up not going to grad school for a PhD in social psychology, as I originally planned. Mm-hmm. I ended up getting a full-time job at, as, a, as an e-portfolio consultant, which put me in the classroom uh, longer, and I enjoyed it. I ended up shifting from psychology to uh, education. And today I'm doing a doctoral degree in higher and post-secondary education. So my, my career shifted yes. <laughs> for the good, I think. <laughs> I, I agree. Um, and in your goal is is to be a college president one day, right? One day, yes. One day. I, I really enjoy working, particularly in a community college. I mean, I've been in a community college for such a long time, not only as a student, but also working in, in academic affairs, working with colleagues in student affairs. Uh, really the administrative part and sort of like the decisions and how they are made and, and the initiatives that are designed to advance the student learning. It's something that I really am interested in. And why not, you know, further down the road, I, I, I look forward to becoming a president one day. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Um, community colleges have a special place in my heart. That's where I started as well. And I ended up with um, a PhD in educational psychology. And when I was um, reading a bit about you, I know that at some point you wanted to get a PhD in educational psychology as well, but you decided decided to go a different route. So I, yeah, so I start I did the masters in educational psychology at Hunter and I did it because I wanted to explore the field and I wanted to get more into education. My background initially was psychology, um, but I wanted to make a shift and when I got the full-time job at LaGuardia and I started to become this was actually at around the time when I became more and more involved in professional development with faculty. I began my team started to provide support to seminars. And that's when I sort of like got into these meetings and I was wondering, what, what, what are faculty doing here? When I was at LaGuardia as a student, I used to think that all faculty, all they used to do was teach, nothing uh-huh. else. And I was like, wait a minute. So that means that you, when you're not teaching, you're actually here. It was an, an interesting sort of like paradigm like to think about how 
uh, they prepare, how they provide feedback to one another, how they come up with new things that they can implement, integrate. So I became more and more involved in professional development, and that's what led me to think about possibly uh, a career in educational psychologist. So I, I went for the master's, um, but eventually I, I decided to focus more on higher education, um, sort of like as a larger um, sort of like a, from a larger perspective, I am passionate about community colleges and I, I, I've learned so much about them, but particularly about the role of faculty and how community colleges as institutions provide support for faculty to develop that pedagogical content knowledge for them to be able to teach effectively. I mean, there is a myth that faculty uh, are experts on, on, on what they teach, which they are in the subject matter, but mm-hmm. the pedagogy they develop over time, whether it is on a four-year or a two-year, it, it develops and evolves over time. And the institution, I think, plays a fundamental role in shaping that. So that's the, the aspect that I'm, that I'm particularly interested in right now. I love it. A very worthy cause. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm going back to your introduction about um, LaGuardia and you talked about uh, how diverse um, the, the campus is in general. Um, so it's, it's a very unique place in those terms. So um, how has that diversity influenced your work with e-portfolios, digital learning, professional development, all of those things that you do? I think uh, one of the interesting and important elements of e-portfolio practice in general is that the portfolio allows the student to develop an identity, uh, an identity as a future professional, uh, but also an identity as a learner. Um, In addition to developing this 21st century digital skills that will allow the student to, um, you know, perform optimally in the workforce, the portfolio really is a place for the student to discover who he or she is. And at LaGuardia, because we have such a diverse student population, I think the portfolio has allowed students to really identify those um, skills and rediscover their identities as future nurses, as accountants, as teachers, as philosophers. And you can see that in the portfolios that I shared. Um, for instance, uh, I'm looking at, uh, I think it was Victoria, uh, a student in biology who, in biology, there's an interesting activity of a STEM identity. Uh, and I think one of the things that faculty in that program try to do is how are these portfolios reflecting how students are becoming more and more interested in the in the discipline, but at the same time, how they are learning about it. So it's a way to document their learning. Uh, I used to think of the portfolio as a file cabinet where you put everything. You put all of your papers, you put your you know recordings, you put your videos, your projects. But it is the folio thinking, meaning of what my colleague Helen Chen from Stanford speaks about, is this idea of how do you connect those experiences? How do you connect what you're learning in one, uh, in one subject uh, versus another one? It is that reflection that really makes a difference and builds the portfolio. When you add that to, a, to an environment, to a campus where students are coming from so many different um, backgrounds, from so many different countries, I think the portfolio really um, presents that opportunity that's unique. Uh, and students are able to do that. Now, you are able to do that when the student really is presented with a portfolio with the opportunity to do that in different contexts. And by different contexts, I mean 
when the student uh, is building a portfolio outside of the class, for instance, uh, if the student is attending an event or if the student is being part of a co-curricular activity, or mm-hmm. if a student becomes part of a student club. So when there are those distinct opportunities that develop a sense of engagement, a sense of belonging between the student and the community, um, and those are reflected on the portfolio, that's when there is a difference, right? Because you can go to all these experiences, you can be part of X number of clubs, but if there is no place where you are reflecting about how those experiences are contributing to who you are becoming, mm-hmm. I think that's when there is a missed opportunity. And I think the portfolio allows the students to do that. Now, it's, it's, it's easy to say, but obviously it becomes complex when you have to work with you know, a large institution and engage faculty and engage staff and engage different programs. Um, but most importantly, engage the student, right? Because you have a great platform that allows a student to create beautiful portfolios, but the student needs needs a process to get there. The student is not going to automatically, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to put my background, I'm going to put my picture of this. And the student is not going to get there intuitively. You have to scaffold that as, as an educator, as, as a staff member. Um, that's the role of our team. That's how we support faculty. Um, and that's how programs scaffold uh, the use of portfolios across different areas. How many students at LaGuardia have an e-portfolio? I would say the college serves approximately 18,000 students uh, every academic year. I would say over 80% of them are exposed and create a portfolio in the first year seminar. So at LaGuardia, we have what we call a core e-portfolio. And that is a portfolio that follows the student from beginning to end. When they enter the college, they take this first-year seminar course. First-year seminar was redesigned in 2014 to be more discipline-specific. In the past, it used to be taught by staff in the counseling department, but since 2014, the college really made an effort to redesign the seminar and make sure that it's more discipline-based so that the student is able to connect with someone in the discipline from the very beginning. So that way, the faculty member who's teaching the first-year seminar in business is also the faculty member who may be teaching a capstone course that is very rooted in the discipline. So the student is able to create a connection. At the same time, part of this redesigned first-year seminar entails the introduction of the portfolio. And the portfolio allows the student to create this core e-portfolio at the very beginning. It's mm-hmm. a robust template that includes not only places for the student to upload academic work, but at the same time, it has what we call the planning for success. The planning for success is a section of the portfolio template that includes a section for advisement, for transfer, for degree planning. So this portfolio is not only a place where the student is compiling and reflecting an academic work, but at the same time is thinking about specific key milestones that he or she will need to make sure that they move along and they go all the way to, uh, they move all the way to graduation. So almost, I would say over 80% of the programs that have a first year seminar, obviously uh, a they have students that they create the portfolios when they enter the college. Uh, there's only a few programs that will be on board in the next few years, but it's the vast majority of the students who are working on an ongoing basis in their portfolios every every semester. So one thing that you just brought up was about how um, 
reflecting and the folio thinking and getting involved with the process of creating your e-portfolio and then seeing those connections can help you really understand um, how you belong in that community that you're in, um, but also who you are. So when you were talking about your journey, you said that, well, when I was putting my portfolio together, I um, realized maybe I didn't want to do that after all. Mm-hmm. Um, does that, I mean, how often does that happen? Are you just the unique, the unicorn that it happened to? Or <laughs> I think I think the portfolio is, is a place for students to do that. Back when I built my portfolio, uh, if I remember, uh, back those days, the, the templates were different. The systems were different. Uh, I remember I took a cluster. This was back in 2006. My cluster was ENG 101 and ENG 103. The 103 was a research paper. And, uh, it was paired with um, Introduction to Sociology and Social Movements. And I remember there was a lot of integration between all those four courses, what we were learning in social movements we revisited when we were talking about uh, sociology uh, theories. And when we were writing those papers, we were revisiting what we learned in the NG 101. So that ability to connect, that ability to transfer skills from one course to the next um, is what allowed me to think more deeply about what I wanted to put in my portfolio. At the very beginning in my portfolio, I remember I had an About Me page, I had an Educational Goals page, and I had, I think, two or three sections for my courses because I didn't know what else to put. Uh, And then further down the road, I realized that I could put more. I realized that I could put my resume. I realized that I could put... Uh, more materials from courses that were not originally uh, included in the template. I realized that I I could and I had the opportunity to make this portfolio my own. And I think that's also the key. You have this portfolio template that you give to the student, but the template, I always, when I talk to faculty, I always tell them it's like a Lego. I love Lego. So I tell them, I'm giving you all of this. We're giving you this. But you are able to put together more pieces that you can put into the larger picture. And the students are able to take ownership of those portfolios. And if they do, then that's when the folio thinking unfolds. And that's when they begin to reflect and think about, you know what? I was a business major, but I think I kind of don't want it. So I'm just going to shift to criminal justice because that's what I'm really passionate about or the other way around, right? So that's when the students are able to reflect and they are able to think about the decisions that they are making. And mm-hmm. that also leads me to think about the audience, right? When we speak about portfolios, we always, I always, when I talk to people, I tell them, who's the audience of that portfolio? The audience is the professor who needs to check and grade that portfolio assignment, or the audience is the student, because mm-hmm. he or she is really looking at that development over time and the things that that they have put in that portfolio. By the time, the cool thing about the core portfolio, and I've seen uh, students, even like the ones that I shared with you, when when those students are looking at the long trajectory of the work that they've done and the trajectory of everything that they have learned, not only in class, but outside, that's when really you realize about how much ownership they uh, they have um, they have over their portfolios. You see, the portfolios are very they are very different because the students are able to sort of like portray their identity, and I think that's where the reflection happens. In my case, it didn't happen from the very beginning. Uh, I remember at the very beginning, I just had a picture of myself and about me, my educational goals, and that was it. I didn't know what else to do, but over time, I realized that I could do way more. So. 
that's I, I think that's an interesting aspect also when we think about portfolio practice. So you you mentioned these student portfolios, which um, we are going to link to the to the podcast when we post it. Um, I was glancing through them earlier, and they are robust pieces of work. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of these students? Yeah, I shared uh, Jane De La Cruz's portfolio. Uh, she is a student who is in education, and she was a recent presenter uh, at the Fall 2020 uh, Student Showcase that we had. There's an interesting page uh, that she called How I Became an Educator. And it's an assignment that faculty in that program have developed in which it's almost like a storyline of how her interests have evolved from being interests only, but also to becoming uh, a potential discipline, a potential profession that she wants to get into. And it really talks about the academic uh, experiences that she's had, the prior experience that she had prior to coming to LaGuardia, but at the same time, how she's forming all of that, how all of that is informing her decision to become a teacher. So that's just one example. And what I like about this is also uh, just look at the images, just look at the images, look at the subheadings, look at the text. Uh, The student is able to take ownership of this because the student is telling a story, right? And this is not necessarily something that the student is um, sort of like checking the boxes. I, I always used to think about when you have a portfolio, it's like, you know, at the end of a semester, who hasn't done this, right? You write a paper and then at the end of the semester, you just file it away. <laughs> you don't want to mm-hmm. see it. But the portfolio in many cases, and in this cases in particular, allows a student to think about, okay, this is what I have gathered so far and this is where I'm headed to. Um, so that, I thought that was a cool example of not only how the student is telling a story, but at the same time, it's visually powerful. And that's what makes it different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other example that I, that I shared was, and I mentioned at the beginning, Victoria Luong. Uh, she's a biology uh, student. She also was a uh, presenter at the showcase uh, a few last month. And her portfolio overall talks about this idea of identity. Uh, Mm -hmm. but in particular, how much ownership she's taking on that portfolio. She's uh, not only included academic work, but at the same time, she has also built this portfolio to reflect her identity as a student. And at the bottom of that page, um, I believe, is where um, uh, she references the STEM identity uh, assignment that I mentioned to you earlier. Uh, Faculty in the biology department, in the biology program at LaGuardia, really put a lot of emphasis on asking students to uh, think about their identities as in, in the discipline, as professionals, and how this evolves over time. So it becomes a little bit, a little bit more complex as well as we think about how do, you, how do you identify touch points all the way from the beginning of the student's journey at the college, but along the way so that the student is able to revisit that particular assignment over time or that particular concept over time. So the biology program is an interesting example. They have identified, the faculty have identified courses over their curriculum where the student is building this portfolio and then specifically doing and doing specific assignments that are reinforcing what the student has done in the prior course. That takes a lot of effort. That takes a lot of creativity. Uh, and that takes time. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that sort of um, integrative learning is not easy. And it's so yes. important that everybody's buying into this. 
exactly. And they're all encouraging it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So that's one example uh, of sort of like how um, how students not only take ownership and then they add not only academics and non-academic work to their portfolio. The last example that I shared was uh, Joey. Uh, she is uh, a uh, current STM, a student technology mentor, but at the same time also a current uh, mechanical engineering student. And she also, her portfolio reflects really not only uh, a documentation of all of her experiences, but you can also see how that transpires into her own identity uh, as a future professional, how she is speaking about her interests, how she's documenting everything that she's done, not only as an STM, but also in the CUNY Corps, the CUNY Service Corps that she is part of, uh, and other co-curricular activities that she is uh, that she is part of, and how the portfolio really is helping her document all of that. So I think these three examples, there's many more, quite honestly, um, but I think these three examples came to mind when when... Uh, I was invited to speak about the overarching goal that the college is doing around portfolios. This concludes part one of our conversation with Pablo Avila from LaGuardia Community College. To hear part two, be sure to subscribe to Digication Scholars Conversations on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Digication Scholars Conversations is brought to you by Digication a technology platform powering the most innovative e-portfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. This episode was produced by Drew Albanicius. Thanks for listening.